Well, you might find yourself to be on the verge of your most important relationships falling apart, but they don't have to. Whether that relationship is a marriage, a friendship, your neighbor, whoever it is, you can actually move from conflict to connection. Now, there is one thing that I say that actually causes divorce. But if you're listening to this and you're not married and you're saying, well, Joe, what does this have to do with me? I'm not married. Well, hopefully, maybe one day you will be. But no matter the relationship you're talking about, there is one thing that actually causes relationships to dissolve. And that's distance. Distance causes divorce. Distance causes all kinds of calamity. But you don't have to actually experience that distance. You can move from conflict, from the argument, from that distance to connection. Conflict is a natural part of all relationships, particularly important relationships. Because you want to make your point of view known. You want to feel heard and understood. And sometimes what you believe is in conflict with what other people believe. And actually, if you can learn to navigate conflict, you can create closeness. You can create connection. But when was the last time you actually got in a fight? And all of a sudden, you jump to this absolute, complete, convicted belief that that's it, I'm done, it's over, I can't do this relationship anymore. But what if that wasn't the truth? What if you could actually find a way to get outside of yourself and find a resource that can give you strength, that can give you peace, that can give you the ability to actually reconnect? Well, one of the ways that you do that is to actually develop the capacity to attend to your own feelings, to be gentle with them, to accept what's going on within you. Now, you can't just give in to divorce. You can't just blow up and fight every time there's a disagreement. So how do you actually navigate that? Why is it that disagreements so often quickly escalate and create that distance, that heartache? And you go to that oh-so-easy emotion, anger. And what do you do when you get angry? Well, if you don't have any other emotions to attend to, to go to, that anger causes you to either fight or flee. You run emotionally or you shut down. And maybe you're in a relationship right now where you just feel easily triggered. You say, you do things, you get upset, and then you react. And you say things that you later maybe regret. Or maybe you've just even given up on the regret, and you move away. What does it take to move from butting heads to sharing hearts? What did God's people do when there was conflict? I love the book of Deuteronomy, the Old Testament. Deuteronomy is like one giant sermon that Moses gave. And he said, here are all the important things that you need to know if you want to take possession of that land, if you want to take possession of that life that you really crave which includes connection. And what Moses said is, when matters of justice come up that are too much for you, like when you're feeling like all you can do is fight or you feel overwhelmed and you want to flee, he said when these hard cases come up, whether it's a homicide, a legal dispute, or your fight, take them to the central place of worship that God, your God, has designated. In other words, God wants you to begin by first and foremost going to him because God wants you to connect. Yes, connect with him first and foremost. And when you do that, then you can learn how to connect with other people. 
Now, you might be feel like you're fighting a battle that you can't win. Maybe your emotions have gotten the better of you. You can't move away from the anger or the resentment. And maybe it's just too much for you. That may be true. But remember this, and the prophet Joshua spoke about this. He said, when you're feeling overwhelmed, he said, remember this. One of you single-handedly put a thousand on the run because God, your God, is with you. God fights for you. But God doesn't want you to fight amongst yourselves. Now, there can be conflict. There can be differences of opinion, and that's okay. But you don't have to fight. That is actually avoidable, particularly in your most important relationships. Not too long ago, a couple came to me. And he said, that's it. I'm done. I just wanted to shut down. I wanted to run. I thought the word divorce was right there on the tip of my tongue. And I asked him, well, what did she say that caused this giant reaction? Well, she implied that I wasn't working hard enough. And that's it? You want to flee because of that? But maybe you want to flee from those relationships that really matter, but you don't have to. And the place to begin is to stop the blame game because, see, when you're fighting, when you're in conflict, one of the first things that you're doing is you're blaming the other person. She did this wrong. He did that. But what does God say? One day, and I love this story, Jesus was walking down the street with his disciples, and they saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, what did the disciples do? Lord, go out, heal that man, bring him life. No, that's not what they said. They asked instead the the question, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? They were looking for somebody to blame. And Jesus immediately pointed out, he said, you're asking the wrong question. He said, you're looking for someone to blame. He said, there's no such cause and effect here. He said, look instead for what God can do. See, God can help you deal with those overwhelming emotions. He can help you deal with those fights, those squabbles that lead to distance, that lead you to separate, to shut down, to run away from those relationships that really can be saved. But the first thing that you have to do is to recognize your own culpability, how you're actually contributing to the demise And maybe how you can actually contribute to the success of the relationship. Jesus said, you know, if you were blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you are accountable for every fault and failure. See, if you think you've got it all figured out in your mind, you're right, they're wrong, you got another thought coming. And so what is the first thing to do when you really feel reactive, when you really feel riled up, when you really feel like that's it, the fight is on? Or maybe you're done with the fight and you said, I'm out of here, and you shut down. What's the first step so that you can reestablish connection? You ready? Pause. Just stop. The first thing to do when you're emotionally activated is just to slow down. Breathe. 
then you can go inside yourself. Then you can calm yourself because that's the first antidote to reacting. If you don't stop, if you continue with the fight or the run, what will happen? Jesus said in Matthew 25, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. He said, you know, the king will say to those on his right. Now remember, because you might be on the right, you might be on the left. But I want you, when you listen to this parable that Jesus was speaking about, I want you to see your part in the fight, your part in the disconnection. So Jesus said, enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. He said, it's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. You ready? When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit the first thing you have to do is stop because if you don't stop, you're not going to see the sickness that is in your relationship. You're not going to see the hurt in that other person, their disappointment. You might be engaged in that fight, the conflict, or the running, the fleeing, but God asks you first to stop. Wonderful story when Jesus, after he was crucified, that's not the wonderful part. The wonderful part is when he was resurrected. And the women, these women who were close to him, they went to his tomb and they discovered he is gone. Now, they didn't freak out. They actually arrived at the conclusion that Jesus had risen from the dead, that what he said actually came true. But here's what's kind of interesting to me. Deep in wonder and full of joy, they lost no time in leaving the tomb. They just ran to tell the disciples. And then Jesus met them. And what did they do? Jesus didn't say, run on, carry on, sprint. He said, stop. And he did it with a simple phrase. He said, good morning. And they fell to their knees. They embraced his feet and they worshiped him. See, the impulse to react is to sometimes fight. But you can actually fight that inclination to fight by stopping. And when you stop, you can begin to engage that executive function, that executive part of the brain that says, okay, let me think about this. You no longer have to give in to the emotional reactivity. See, when you start, you begin to engage what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. You know, that fight or flight part is that emotional reactivity. But the other part, the parasympathetic nervous system, and if you never remember that name, I don't care. (laughs) It doesn't matter. But it becomes engaged when you first stop. You slow down. You breathe. And you can do this with prayer just to slow yourself. See, the feelings of anxiety, the fight or flight, are powered by stress hormones. And to reduce that anxiety... Some therapists might say, well, you just got to avoid those thoughts that release the stress hormones. Well, sometimes avoidance is nice. You might be avoiding the fight, the disconnect by going to your favorite adult beverage. You might avoid those things that you need to look at by binge watching your latest favorite TV show. 
But actually, that doesn't work for very long. You can't avoid. You can't run from those emotions. But if you slow down, you're beginning to give yourself the opportunity for that parasympathetic nervous system to engage so that you can be thoughtful and calm. Remember what Jesus said. He gave the perfect example. He told his disciples that now it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to submit to an ordeal of suffering at the hands of the religious leaders. Not just suffer, though, but to go on, to be killed, and then on the third day, be raised up. But Peter immediately said, Impossible! That can never be! We're not going to let you suffer! And Jesus said, Well, get behind me, Satan. You have no idea what's going on. So you have to be willing to engage. You have to slow down. What if Peter had actually thought and said, well, what does the Lord actually mean by this? If he had paused rather than just reacted, he may have begun to understand what Jesus was saying. Slow down, Peter. You're not seeing the big picture. And you've got to do the same thing. Sometimes you've just got to slow down so that you can see the bigger picture. Remember, he tells you, if you intend to come with me, you got to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. You can't just engage in that emotional reactivity that causes you to fight or to flee or to run. But God said, if you follow me, I will show you how to do it. He said, self-sacrifice is the way to finding your true self. But you'll never be willing to self-sacrifice until you slow down, till you give yourself the opportunity to see the bigger picture. Now, there are things that you can do to calm yourself. One of the simplest things I say is breathe. Just breathe. Just give yourself that moment to experience that gift of breath. The book of Lamentations The writer was quite upset with his life. And he said, I just gave up on life altogether. And you might be given up on that relationship because you're so emotionally involved. But the writer goes on, he said, I've forgotten what the good life is like. I said to myself, this is it. I'm finished. God is a lost cause. But then he goes on, and this is what you need to do is to reinforce those positive feelings, the hope, the belief that you can restore those relationships. And the writer of Lamentation says, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the, posi- the poison I've swallowed. He said, I remember it all. Oh, how I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember. And to remember this, you've got to stop. You've got to pause. He said, and remembering, I keep a grip on hope. If you pause, if you slow down, if you give yourself that opportunity to just be still, you can then begin thinking about how to restore that relationship. See, those thoughts of danger, that fight or flight, somebody says something and you get all worked up, it releases those stress hormones, you know, the ones that are really bad for you, that feel really bad. He said the sympathetic nervous system, it puts you into fight or flight mode. 
and your body reacts, you actually feel that kind of pain, that urgency to get out. It increases your heart rate, your breathing rate. It causes perspiration to cool the body in case you need to run or fight. But it does a lot of bad things too. It reroutes the digestive system's blood supply to the muscles so you're no longer able to enjoy a nice meal. You're just getting ready to fight. And the first step to move from the fight is to pause. To allow that tension to flee the body. Again, that parasympathetic nervous system, it does the opposite than that fight or flight. And when it activates, it works against the sympathetic nervous system, which is a good thing. You don't have to fight. You don't have to flee. You don't have to disengage. You actually have to connect. And you can connect. When you pause, when you give yourself an opportunity to tap the inner resources within that calm you. And what is the greatest inner resource you have? Well, Scripture says for those of us who believe, God's Holy Spirit lives and breathes and moves in you. So instead of fighting, if you just stop and say, wait, Lord, let me become aware of you moving in my body. Then you can begin to do things like attending to your own feelings as you slow down. You can give yourself the attention of what's really going on other than just fighting. Anger might be the first emotion that you noticed. And that might be the emotion that you're acting on. And it might be causing you to fly into a rage and blame everyone except for yourself. Now again, there's appropriate anger. When you see great injustice in the world, it's not that anger in itself is a sin, but Paul says you got to have some boundaries on it. Go ahead and be angry. He speaks about this in Ephesians 4. He said, yeah, sometimes you do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge and don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. You might be experiencing that short-term satisfaction that blaming gives you or shaming or criticizing or diagnosing everybody else's problems rather than looking within yourself, looking to that source of strength, God's spirit. And again, blaming is designed to avoid that emotional discomfort by shifting your pain and your focus on somebody else. But that only leads the conflict to escalate. You know, it takes two people to fight. So you might say, well, I can't help it. My husband just riles me up or my friend or my girlfriend. They just, uh, and so I can't help it. Yeah, you can. It actually takes two people to fight. And it takes one person to have the presence of mind, that inner strength, the self-awareness to make that first move toward peace. So rather than attacking or shutting down, if you just pause, if you just breathe, if you just pray, then you can begin to give your attention to what you need to change to actually create that connection. Or you can give yourself that attention to those things in your own heart, in your own life, and your actions that can change. In Christ's family, Paul says in Galatians, he said, there can be no division 
into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. He said, because you're all equal. And you might feel pain, but so does that other person that you're fighting with. But you are equal because you have a common relationship with Jesus. Again, anger is that primary and healthy emotion when there's abuse or injustice. But sometimes anger is just that secondary emotion because you're not looking at all those other emotions, the hurt, the pain, the struggle, the insecurity. But as long as you keep that anger button on full speed, you'll never be able to reconnect. Again, the anger that fuels that fight or flight, it served you well when you were having to do battle with saber-toothed tigers, but it doesn't work so great as your go-to reaction if you're in an intimate relationship and you want to stay in an intimate relationship. If you just notice, first of all, that anger, then you can begin to bring your attention to other emotions the gentleness, the kindness, the good times that you shared with that other person, your own vulnerability, your sadness, your hurt, your shame, your fear. But if you pause and slow down, then you can begin to find the strength, develop the awareness to notice those other tender emotions. Now again, it's not about suppressing anger. What you Resist will persist, will persist. You know, what you ignore, it doesn't just go away. It stays there sometimes like a cancer. But if you slow down, if you actually breathe, acknowledge what's going on, acknowledge the anger, name it. But then once you begin to calm down, you can begin to share your authentic heart. You can honor those feelings, even the anger. But that's not the only thing. Once you begin to calm, to recognize those more authentic, those tender feelings, then you can begin to share those feelings and needs from a tender place rather than a combative one. You can quiet that voice, and instead of the yell, you can be curious. You got to move beyond the fight. That's causing the disconnection. Jesus, one time when he was talking and he was teaching, and everybody was arguing, talking, it was like, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He goes, ah, you got it all wrong. And he called a little child over, and he stood him in the middle of the room, and he said, I'm telling you once and for all, that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get to look at the kingdom, let alone get in. He said, whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. And what's more, when you receive the child like on my account, it's the same as receiving me. You can stop. You can start over. In fact, this is God's command. But you've got to surrender to love rather than to give in to the hate. You can begin to create flexible boundaries. It's not about just melding your world into somebody else's to take on all of their emotions, their thoughts. 
You can begin to differentiate, differentiate your world, world from another person's world and create a healthy foundation for love, moving from the conflict to connection. It's so rarely done. You give in to it because the fight, the anger is so much easier. But you can change. You can develop those inner resources. In fact, I want to say you already have those resources. You just have to bring them back out. You can connect first with yourself, what's really going on in your world, understanding those deeper emotions other than just the anger. But you got to stop. You've got to pause. Paul says in Galatians, he said, but now you have arrived at your destination and your destination might be right around the corner. If you stop, if you slow, if you breathe, if you pray. He said, because by faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God. Isn't that incredible? He said, your baptism in Christ wasn't just about washing you up. It was about a real fresh start. It also involves dressing you up in an adult faith. The Christ life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. You can express your feelings and listen if only you pause first. You don't have to be threatened by another person's need, even if it's different than yours. You don't have to be so alarmed or threatened by differences. You can actually begin to move gracefully with the ebbs and the flows that are a natural part of every relationship. You can begin to connect rather than fight, rather than flee, if you pause. Paul says, because of this decision, he said, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. He said, we look at the Messiah and we got it all wrong initially. He said, we don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside. And you can look inside and see that if you are connected with him, connected with God, you too can get a fresh start. You are created new. The old life, the fighting, the fleeing is gone. Take on that new life. See, God settled that relationship between you and him. And now he calls you to settle that relationship with each other. I will meet you back on the road. And remember, always forward.